Welcome to day 32 of the story that changes everything. Today's readings are Leviticus chapters 1 through 3 and Psalm 14. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Well, it's our first day in the third book of the Torah, Leviticus. The title Leviticus is a name given to the book by later Greek translations and translators, a word taken from the priestly tribe of Levi, which makes sense given that so much of the book is devoted to instructing the priests or Levites. However, the original Hebrew name for the book is the word Vayikra, a word taken from the very first sentence of the book, meaning, and he called. And it is this call that is the connection between Exodus and Leviticus. When we left Exodus, the tent of meeting and the tabernacle were being built, and now it's God's calling to Moses from the tent of meeting that seems to link these two books together. The book opens with instructions for giving entirely burnt offerings. Now, we often think of the sacrificial system as almost entirely related to sin and its atonement or forgiveness, and that will certainly show up and take place in this book. However, notice in these first three chapters about sacrifice that sin is not mentioned. These early sacrifices seem to not be so much about substitution in the traditional sense as they are gifts of celebration and recognition of the divine human relationship. Hopefully when we give gifts to those that we love, and in this case God, it's not just to get ourselves out of trouble, but hopefully we often give gifts to those we love, and in this case to God, simply because we love them. One clue in the text that will distinguish the two kinds of offerings is the nature of the laying on of hands. Usually when a sacrifice is being made in which the sin of the people is being transferred onto the animal, it will require the priest or the person involved to lay two hands on the animal being sacrificed. When it's only one hand that is used, as is the case in these opening chapters, the implication seems to be not about the transfer of sin but the transfer of identification. It's not sin that's being placed on the animals in these chapters. It's the person's identity, and in particular, the identity of the person's gratitude, their commitment, and their trust. We do need to be careful with these texts and the way they describe the gifts as food for God. Unlike the pagan gods surrounding Israel, Yahweh does not need to eat. And scholars argue that these sacrifices are not meant to feed God or even to appease God, but rather to draw God in, to get God's attention. These opening sacrifices are like modern-day calls to worship. The people are called by God to gather, but then the people speak or pray or sing a response that invites God to hear and to be uniquely present. These burnt sacrifices draw God's people in, but they also invite God to be present and to respond. Some scholars think Leviticus chapter 1 verse 14 through the end of chapter 2 may be later additions to the text. You can try this out. If you skip from chapter 1 verse 13 to chapter 3 verse 1, the kinds of sacrifices and instructions seem very similar to each other and like they may have been part of an original text. Which raises the question, why then include these verses about the sacrifice of birds and grain offerings? Well, Scholars think that if it was indeed added later, it may be because it was included to make sure that the poor were not left out. If a person could not afford to sacrifice either cattle or a goat, 
Perhaps they could afford a bird or a grain offering, which would have been much less expensive. Chapter 2 describes the nature of grain offerings, and unlike the entirely burnt offerings, the grain offerings make space for the Levites. Um, They have no land or inheritance, so they get to take some of the grain that they need for their families to survive. Chapter 3 describes well-being offerings. In this chapter, it's only the parts offered to God that are described. However, later in Leviticus, it will explain how the well-being offerings were meant to be shared not just with God, but also with the priests and with the people offering up the sacrifice. It's like the three are gathered together to have a meal together. And so the picture is not so much about the atonement for sin or offering this gift solely to God, as much as it is about, again, the celebration of relationship between God and the people. Perhaps if we can begin to recognize early on that these sacrifices in Leviticus form regular patterns of worship that invite God's presence and celebrate God's goodness and our relatedness together, then hopefully that can begin to shape our imaginations away from an over-dependence on substitution or forgiveness of sins as the only way that we can imagine the sacrificial system. Old Testament scholar Thomas King is worried that if all we know how to imagine about the sacrificial system is some form of substitution or the appeasing of God's wrath, then he thinks we might as well just go ahead and read John 3.16 this way, for God was so angry with the world that he gave his only son, rather than understanding this gift as a gift of love. These sacrifices are not just ways of participating in atonement, but also they function as ways to worship ways for our hearts to be softened and our hearts to change towards God. At the center of these opening sacrifices, again, is not forgiveness, but worship. They do not picture their purpose as seeking God's favor as much as they simply celebrate God's salvation and continued presence. Our psalm for today, Psalm 14, opens with this great line, The fool says in their heart, there is no God. In the center of this brief psalm, the psalmist wonders why the foolish or evildoers, why do they devour people like they're eating bread, but they never call on the Lord? Perhaps this is part of the point of Leviticus opening with worship that offers bread, offers food to God. Perhaps when we don't just devour, but we offer the best of what we have to God and perhaps even to each other, then we stop devouring people and things and we begin to find the wise life that God has always desired, a life of love for God's people. This book of Leviticus is not easy. Nevertheless, read today's scriptures carefully, looking for things you've never seen before. Listen to what the Spirit might say to you through the scripture today. Journal some of your reflections, your questions, and your prayers, and worship the Lord and share the best of what you have with God and with others. Our readings for tomorrow are Leviticus chapters 4 through 6. I'll talk to you tomorrow.